know, it doesn't seem that long ago to me that I was actually a kid. Um, going back and, and reliving some of those memories, um, like when I was a baby, um, actually, I don't have this memory. I was just told about this. Uh, my, my dad was going too fast through the church parking lot, and my mom fell out of the car with me in her lap. That may explain some things, right? So, uh, so that's not a memory I have, but uh, I do have memories of when I was, I think, in kindergarten, uh, riding the bus to school and then forgetting to get off the bus at school. And arriving back at the bus slot with a bus driver who turned around to see me still sitting on his bus. It was not a happy moment for either of us. Um, I remember being a kid and my mom decorated my room red, white, and blue with stars and stripes. I had the All-American room. And I do remember also in fifth grade, um, my mom going off to the hospital because she had cancer. And uh, Later in seventh grade, being told that she probably wasn't going to live more than a couple of years. And uh, I remember those kind of memories, too. I remember in seventh grade basketball, I played two minutes and 37 seconds total for the season. And um, seven seconds of that was one game. The other two minutes and 31 seconds was the other game. And uh, But I still have those memories. I remember uh, going to a small Christian high school and graduating second in my class. Pretty impressive, right? Beat out 11 other kids, okay? And I uh, remember going off to college. I remember coming home from college and living at home because I was a school teacher and I wasn't getting paid enough to live anywhere else. I can remember getting rides with my parents when my car broke down to school, um, even as a school teacher. I can remember getting my first house, getting married. And then I actually, right after we got married, my mom passed away, so... When I was in seventh grade, they told us she'd live us maybe two years, and she lived 17, so that's a great memory. I actually remember moving to Waterford here, and uh, this area back about nine years ago. And the reason I have all these memories and where I feel like it wasn't that long ago that I was just a kid is because I still am a kid. In fact, my dad still lives over in... Uh, South Bend and lives in a, a rest area or rest area. <laughs> lives in a, just sticking with that uh, theme, you know, are we there yet? So, uh, but yeah, because we're all kids. And the thing is, as I've gone through life, I've had to try to figure out with each stage of life what that's going to look like. Because it looked a little different when I was, you know, a baby falling out of the car. Or it looked a little different when I was a, a kindergartner out going off to school or a high school or even a college student or coming back, living in my folks' house for a little while or, or even getting married and having kids of my own. I went through all those stages of life, but none of those things ever changed the fact that I was a kid. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're sitting here because you are a child. I promise you that. I guarantee you that. Now, your parents may not still be with us, but the truth of the matter is that you did have parents. And so we've looked at this, Are We There Yet? series, and we've asked this question, how can I be a better, and then we filled in the blank, how can I be a better husband or wife? Or how can I be a better, Mark talked about this last week, how can I be a better parent? Well, this week we want to ask this question, how can I be a better child? So if you're sitting in the room this morning and normally you're down in Faith Mountain, this is for you. Because I'm going to tell you something that will help you be a better child. If you're a teenager and part of our youth group here at Waterford Community Church, I'm going to share something today that will help you be a better child. But if you're sitting here today in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or whatever, I'm going to help 
you be a better child too, I hope. And maybe even if you're here and you're parentless, there are still some ways that you can learn this morning that will help you be a better family member in the role that you are. So let's start with this. When I was a kid, my parents taught me the magic words, right? The magic words. What are are some of the magic words? Help me out. Please. Okay, what's another one? Thank you. Okay, there's a couple more maybe. Excuse me. Yep, somebody said that one. (laughs) You're welcome. That, I guess that works. How about I'm sorry, right? Those are kind of the magic words that you learn when you're growing up. Well, I'm going to give you another word today, all right? But this word's going to be a little bit different because all the magic words, please, I'm sorry, thank you, or uh, excuse me, those are all things that we say. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give us a magic word that is something that we actually do. And it's a word that shows up in a list of 10 things in the Bible. So if you could think of any list in the Bible that might have 10 things in it, it would be the 10 commandments, right? So we're not going to look at all 10 commandments. We're just going to look at one commandment. In fact, we're going to look at one word in one of those commandments as we get started here this morning. I want to do this, though. I want to talk just a little bit about those 10 commandments. You know, this is interesting. The 10 commandments are never called the 10 commandments in the Bible. That's just what we call them. They were just commandments that God gave, and they're the most famous commandments that he's given. I guess you could argue that the the great command given by Jesus in the New Testament would trump that, but the Ten Commandments we're pretty familiar with. But let me just share a couple things that might be helpful to you. First of all, the Ten Commandments are not a roadmap for getting to heaven. The Ten Commandments are not a roadmap for getting to heaven. A lot of people think that the way I'm going to get to heaven someday is if I'll just keep the Ten Commandments. And if I keep the Ten Commandments or do a pretty good job of keeping the Ten Commandments, that will help me get to heaven someday. But that's not why the Ten Commandments were given. And if you think that's how it's going to work, it's not going to work that way. The truth of the matter is you can never be good enough. And none of us can be good enough because no matter how we good, how good we live or how well we live, we never live perfectly. And none of us can live perfectly. I remember back several years ago in my office, I had a couple. Uh, it actually was just a, a girl and her, I think her mom or her cousin or whatever. They, they wanted to see if they could get married at the church. I'm like, well, come on in. Let's talk about it. And, and when I have people come in, I always try to say, hey, where are you spiritually? What's your relationship with God? And as I'm having that conversation with them, I'm realizing that nothing's going on there spiritually. And so I'm trying to share what it means to, you know, to follow Christ. And I made some statement in there about the fact that, you know what, none of us is perfect, right? And that's why we need Jesus. And it it was just said as part of the conversation. Well, I went off to lunch and I, I come back from lunch and I get this phone call. And it's the irate fiance of this girl that had just been in my office that morning. And he's irate. And he says, how dare you tell my fiance that she's not perfect? I was like, well, dude, you know, the truth hurts, right? I don't know. What did you say? I didn't say that out loud. I thought that, okay? Just, Just to assure you. But none of us is perfect. We are sinners. And that means that we can't be good enough. And even if we could be good enough, we're still not good enough because we're sinners. 
In fact, this is interesting. We talk about the Ten Commandments, and often people are like, well, Ten Commandments are going to help us get to heaven. But right after the Ten Commandments, as God's laying out the laws, he lays out the whole laws for the sacrificial system, which was what the Israelites depended on, right, for their relationship with God and to find forgiveness. So it was never supposed to be in the Ten Commandments. It was supposed to be in the sacrifices. And so that's a good reminder for us. The Ten Commandments aren't a roadmap to help us get to heaven. But they did serve as the fundamental governing principles for the nation of Israel. When Israel left Canaan, they went down as a family, right? It was Joseph originally, and then his brothers joined him, and they all went down to Egypt, and then that family became the the nation or the tribe of Israel. And they were there for 400 years, but now they're coming out of Israel. It's the history of when the Ten Commandments are given. But as they're coming out, not of Israel, they're coming out of Egypt. As they're coming out of Egypt, they're about to become a nation. Well, a nation has a common people, and a nation has a common land, and they are moving to that common land. But a nation also needs a common law. And the Ten Commandments were given as a law for the nation. And so it was actually had a lot of civic and civil overtones to the Ten Commandments. And it was supposed to be, here's the basis of law. And what it really did was say, here's how you're supposed to get along with each other. So you're all going to be living in this nation. You're going to be living next to each other. Some of you are going to be related. Some of you won't be. But you need to learn how to get along with each other. Here's the laws, which leads us to the third point of the Ten Commandments. They still provide a moral framework for society. And we still use them today as a basis or a baseline of what's right and what's wrong. And every society has to have some system of right and wrong. And most societies actually go back still to the Ten Commandments to say, here's what's right and here's what's wrong, because we all need rules. And if we don't need rule, or if we don't have rules, we actually have chaos. Sometimes we don't like those rules, but those rules overall help us to live with each other so we don't keep colliding into each other. The fact that we drive down the right side of the street is very, very helpful. That's a rule that keeps us from running literally headfirst into somebody coming the other way on a street. But they provide a framework for society. They were given fourthly for the benefit of God's people, or for all people for that matter. But if we live by these rules or these laws or these commands, your life is going to go better. And by the way, so will the lives of people around you. But when God gives us a command in Scripture, it doesn't have to be one of these Ten Commands, any command. When God gives us a command in Scripture, He gives it for our benefit. In other words, live by this rule and your life will go better. Ignore this rule and things are not going to go as well for you. Because this is how I created the world to work. So as God, as the creator of the world says, here's how it works best. As we follow his instructions, it works best. And then a fifth thing. They were given to reveal the character and the nature of God. And a lot of times we get really fixated on a command and we miss who gave the command. And what it tells us about him. So if the command says don't lie, what we miss sometimes is we have a God who is ultimate truth, who never lies, who always does what's right, tells the truth, always is consistent with his nature. If we say do not murder, that tells us about a God who values life. 
And so the commands actually tell us a lot about God. Kevin DeYoung says it this way. They don't just tell us what God wants. They tell us what he's like. And as we get to this command that we're going to be honing in on this morning, it helps us know what God is like in this area as well. So let's talk about commandment number five. Does anybody know what commandment number five is? Well, let's read it, okay? It shows up in Exodus 20, verse number 12. It says this. This is not going to be a surprise. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then it was repeated again in Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. All right? Now, if you're reading those verses, can you figure out what the magic word is? Anybody have a guess? Honor. Honor. That's not a word that we use very often. In fact, that may be a word that some of us are not familiar with. The word honor means this. It means to give worth to or give value to or give importance to. It's like you just put them up a step above you. You make them a little bit more important than you are yourself. And that's what it actually means to honor somebody. And what God tells us is that we need to honor our parents. And in just a minute, we'll talk a little bit more about what that means to honor your parents. But what I want to do, just like we took and said, here's five things about the Ten Commandments. Here's five things about the fifth commandment that are important to us this morning. The first thing is this. The the first commandment is the first of the human relationship commands. In other words, start here. As you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four are about how we relate to God. So they go this way, up and down. Don't make any graven images. Don't put any other gods before me. Don't use the name of of God in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Those commands all talk about how a man relates to God. Then we get to the next six commandments. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear false witness or lie. Thou shalt not murder. Those things, thou shalt not commit adultery. Those things are on this level. Because they're all about how we relate to people or our relationships. And so we have these first four between us and God, the next six between us and other human beings. But the first one of those six about how to relate to other people is this idea of honoring your father and mother. And if we would learn honor, we'll learn how to extend that, not just to our parents, but we'll extend that in every relationship that we have. And if you want to improve your relationship, whether it's with your parents or with your partner or with somebody at work or whoever it happens to be, if you want to improve your relationship, you can start with this word right here, honor. And if you can master this concept, your relationships will get better. Second thing here, a culture of honor is necessary for the health of any society. A culture of honor is necessary for the health of any society. And this is really, really, really important here. These laws, we already said this, were given to Israel. Here's how to be a good nation. Here's how to 
have a, an effective government. Here's how for everybody to live together well. And then when God says, here's how to do it, he starts and says, honor your parents. Because if you learn honor in your home, that will extend into your society. And society works better when we honor each other. Now, this is interesting. If you go back to that verse, it's, it's, a, it's a command with a promise. It says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long and so that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord God is giving you. That word you in, in the Hebrew language is not singular. This is not a promise to you personally, that if you honor your mom and dad, you'll live forever. It's a promise to the nation of Israel that if you will instill this concept and this value of honor in your society, you will have longevity of society. In other words, if you will do this, your culture will last well. Your nation, it will go well. That's interesting, isn't it? Because we live in a society today that's not very good at honor. And we also live in a society today that's not exactly healthy either. And if you look around, you're like, oh, we're crazy. We all scream and yell at each other, and we all run around mad at each other, and and everybody's waving fists and everything. Why is that? It's because we've lost this idea that a culture that values honor is going to be a culture that does better. And if we want to see society to do better, we need to start right here. We have all these ideas here about here, this is what we need to do for our country, and this is what we need to do, government, and these are the laws that we need to pass. That may be fine, and that may be good, but we need to start right here and say, you know what? As a society, we've got to get better at this idea of honor. And you know, the best way for us to take strides and to make progress and to get a little further down the road is to do it in the home. And that's the third point. Honor is best learned in the home. And the reason we don't see much honor in our society is because we don't insist on honor in our homes. And it's affecting us. In fact, our homes don't function right because we don't value the right things. But one of those things that we don't value as we should is this idea of honor. In fact, we do a bad job of this, don't we? You know, we sit around in our houses and we criticize leaders or we mock people that we don't agree with or we gossip about all kinds of people or we complain about our kids' teachers while our kids are sitting there or we bully our way through life or we insist on only having the best for our kids and we're going to get that whether it costs us a half million dollars to get them into the right university. We're not a society of honor. We're a society of self-interest, of clutching and grabbing and grasping and doing whatever we can for ourselves so that we can put ourselves up and put other people down. And that stands in direct contrast to this idea of honor where we push ourselves down and we lift somebody else up. And if our society is going to get better, it's going to have to start with us, with what we do in our homes. Now, this is a challenge then to kids to practice honor. This is a challenge also to parents, right, to insist on honor in your home. Now, let me just go through here and define honor a little bit. 
and give you six ways that you can actually show honor in your home, in your relationships, um, whether you're a kid with your parents at home or whether you're older with your parents somewhere else. But these are ways that we can show honor. The first word is the word prefer. This is where we make the other person more important than we are. That's where we let them go first. That's where we let them pick what show we're going to watch or where we let somebody else have the biggest piece or where we don't get upset when the game that gets picked to play isn't the game that we wanted to play. In fact, maybe we say to mom or dad, hey, why don't you pick the game? Or maybe actually when we sit at the dinner table, we actually make sure that they get served first. This is where we prefer somebody above ourselves. You be more important than me. You get first choice. I want to know what you want to do here because I will follow what you want to do. Prefer is a way that we honor. A second word about honor is this word appreciate. Appreciate or say thank you. Or make sure that our parents know that we are grateful for what they have done for us. And we said this is one of the magic words, thank you. But it's more than just saying thank you. It's living thank you. And sometimes appreciation is saying, hey, mom, hey, dad, thanks for doing that for me. Thanks for giving me a ride here. Thanks for buying me this thing here. Thanks for doing this party for me here. But sometimes it's appreciating by valuing the things that your parents have done for you or that they've given to you. That's even like taking care of your things. Or that's like maybe using your education well, or I don't know. How can you appreciate what's been done for you? By saying thank you, yes, but how can you appreciate that by taking what's been done for you and using it well or wisely? Appreciation is a part of honor, respect, treating people with dignity, being polite and courteous. We live in a society that's lost its decorum and lost its sense of respect. If we don't treat each other properly, we treat them rudely and unkindly, and we yell and we scream and we throw fits and we do all these things, okay? Honor is about showing respect. It's about treating people right. It's about being patient with them. It's about even allowing them to be imperfect and still treating them with dignity. And I would say parents insist on this in your home. Your kids need to treat you with respect, but model it for them too. Treat the people around you with respect. Treat your own parents with respect. There's a fourth idea here, and it's the word listen. If I'm going to honor my parents, I'm going to listen to what they have to say to me. And if you're a kid, you don't always agree with what your parents tell you, right? And if you're an adult, you can still think back to those times when you had big disagreements with what your parents are telling you. But here's what I know to be true. And especially if you're sitting in this room this morning, your parents are not out to mess you up. They're not sitting at home thinking, well, please, man, I can really, I can really do a number on my kid if I tell them this. That's not how your parents work. And that's not how your parents worked either, right? So listen. And listen at least to understand. You may not even come to agreement. But we honor when we say, hey, 
I value you enough to hear what you're thinking and to at least consider that myself. A fifth thing here is to obey. Paul says this in in Ephesians 6. He takes this honor thing and he says, obey your parents. And actually, obedience is just a part of honor. Honor is a bigger thing, but obedience is so important. Do what your parents tell you to do. In fact, let me take it a step further. Do what your parents want you to do. I remember when I was in 10th grade, my dad sat me down. He said, you know, I've been watching you. And he said, there's a kid that you've been hanging out with. I don't think that's a good idea. And that's about how it got said. And I was like, really? Seemed all right to me, but I'm like, okay, dad, if that's what you're thinking. And so I kind of shifted my friendship in other directions And it spared me a lot of grief because that kid ended up getting all kinds of trouble. And when he got in all kinds of trouble, I was nowhere in sight. But sometimes we would be well off to just not just obey, but what are my parents' wishes here? And then a sixth thing, to care for, to support or serve or help. And some of us, as our parents get older, we feel this even more. And that's one of the great challenges of my life in the last year. As I've gone from parents to a year ago at this time, we're living by themselves and fully sufficient, as far as we knew, to where they're living in separate facilities right now because of the level of care that's needed for them and trying to sort all this out. How do we care for them? But this is a habit that we can get into from the very start. You know, if mom's washing the dishes, jump in and help her. If dad's mowing the lawn, Well, you could take over the lawnmower, right? Or at least bring them a snack. You know, do something to help. But if we will practice these ideas, prefer, appreciate, respect, listen, obey, care for, then we will be honoring. Let me just throw in two more things here. This is especially for the those of you who sit here as adults. Okay, two thoughts. Honor is a gift that we offer, not as a reward that is earned. Sometimes we make statements like, well, my parents don't deserve honor. That's a very true statement because nobody deserves honor. Honor is not something you earn. Honor is something that is given, and we all choose to give that. And here's one of the great rules of life is that we treat, we have the ability and should, we should treat other people on the basis of who we are, not on the basis of who they are. And we spend an awful lot of life just living in reaction or response. You did this, or you treated me this way, or you acted this way. So, and then we justify how we're going to act in response. That's a bad way to live. A better way to live is say, you know what? I'm going to practice kindness or gentleness or respect or honor, not because of how you're acting, because that's how I choose to live, and that's how I choose to treat you. And I realize that when we start talking about a subject like this, there are some of you who go back even into your childhood and think, oh, gosh, if you knew how my parents acted or how my parents treated me or whatever else like that, you wouldn't even be saying this, okay? I'm sorry, and I get that. I also want to challenge you with this, to live above that and to practice honor. And let me give you one more idea here. There's no expiration date for honoring parents. And there's a passage that's listed there on your, on your growth guide. And you can look that up later on. But Jesus is talking about how people treat their parents. But he's not talking to kids. 
He's talking to adults. And he's saying, you know what? You guys are making excuses for your bad treatment of your adult parents, you as adults, your adult parents. He says, stop doing that. There's no expiration date on the command of honoring your parents. And so if you're here today and if you have parents at any age, you still have responsibility to them, and your responsibility is wrapped up in this one word, and that's the word honor. Honor. 